You're listening to the Biblical Fiction Buffs podcast, and I'm your host, Jenna Van Maurick. On this podcast, we discuss all sorts of things related to biblical fiction and the best in ancient historical Christian fiction. What you're about to hear is a previously recorded Instagram Live book club discussion. In case you didn't know, Biblical Fiction Buffs is also an online quarterly book club hosted by me on Instagram. Every season, we vote on a book, then we read it and study it together, and at the end of the quarter, we get together on Instagram for a live discussion. Sometimes there's games, sometimes there's trivia and giveaways, but it's always a good time of discussion and fellowship and talking about the wonderful truths we can learn about God through the art of story. If that sounds like something you're interested in, then be sure to check us out at Biblical Fiction Buffs on Instagram or visit my website www.authorgenevanmaurick.com. For now, enjoy this episode and be sure to subscribe to our podcast for more entertaining bookish content like this. seems like everyone has kind of showed up. Everyone's saying hello. So I'm gonna just welcome you to the official BFB Instagram Live. Um, first of all, can we all believe that it is the sixth official meeting of Biblical Nation Buffs? I was putting the slides together this morning and I was like, no. There is no way that we are at number six now, but we are. And it just, like, occurred to me, we've been in our second year for a while, but it occurred to me when I was doing this, I was like, oh my words, this is the second year of BFB. <laughs> oh my word. Um, so yeah, that was really exciting and fun, but I think we should do something special when we get to 10. That would be, that'd be fun. Like some, some big giveaway or something, but I don't know. So on the agenda for tonight, as usual... There's gonna, we're just gonna start out with prayer and scripture reading, like we always do, and then we're gonna have lots of time for book discussion, we're gonna announce the spring book that y'all voted on, and then we're gonna have Q&A and open discussion. Normally, we do trivia games and giveaways at our lives, which most of you guys know. The reason that I'm not doing a digital giveaway during this quarter's live is because I'm actually planning a big physical giveaway for March, so... Big stuff is in store, so you guys will just have to bear with me on that, but I promise it'll be worth it. So we're going to start by reading scripture, and we're going to be reading uh, Judges 21 through 21-25, and 1 Samuel 4, 1-11. And I'm just going to be reading these out of the front of the book. There's a lot of scripture this book covers um, in... Samuel and all that, but these are the ones because they're at the beginning that we're gonna read um, This time if you have your book, they're right there in part one. Oh So let me know if you guys can hear me, okay? Uh, <laughs> because currently you're propped up on a bunch of Bath and Body Works candles, so good luck with that Okay, Judges 21 25 in those days. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes Fairly self-explanatory. First uh, Samuel 4, 1 through 11. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer. Oh, these are going to be hard names, aren't they? Um, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. Aphek. The Philistines drew up in line against Israel, and when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. And when the people came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. And the two sons of there's more names. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. As soon as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel gave a mighty shout so that the earth resounded. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, they said, What does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And when they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come to their camp, the Philistines were afraid, for they said, A God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? 
There, These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Take courage and be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated and they fled every man to his home. And there was a very great slaughter for 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel fell and the ark of God was captured and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas died. First Samuel 4, 1 through 11. And from there we have where the story takes off. So... You guys know how this works. Uh, we're going to pray, and then it's pretty much a free-for-all um, for all the feelings. So let's take a minute. Calm down. Coffee's kicking in too soon. Dear God, thank you so much for allowing us to meet in this way. I feel like we don't often think about it, but the internet's pretty crazy. Uh, it's pretty weird sometimes, but thank you so much for allowing us to use it in such a way that we can fellowship and share you and share your word and use it for your glory. Thank you so much that it is our sixth meeting. Uh, just praise you for that and just all that you've allowed us to do through this book club. And we just ask that this book club would be encouraging and that this meeting would be edifying for everyone and full of great discussions tonight. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Hey everyone, uh, now it's time to begin discussing the book. Anyone have any favorite characters they want to just drop in the comments? Book discussion is open now, so you can say whatever you want. I'll start going through some of my favorite quotes and things that I underlined and stuck out to me, but it's a free-for-all. I'm going to take a sip of coffee because I'm talking too fast. That made no sense. I'm talking too fast and it's making my mouth dry. Although it could be said that that is also the coffee's problem. But you know me. There was a really creepy noise outside my house. I am sorry. Hopefully it is not in I told you earlier, I am being tested today. <laughs> All right. So I just wanted to say for a minute that I loved the writing style of this book. It was so great. Um... I said this in my review that I did, but there's just something melodic about like how it is written. And I wrote that right in the margins on the first page that there's just something melodic about this writing style, which I thought was really cool, especially considering how much music comes into play in the story. Um, and that's just uh, Connie Lynn. She does it. She does it right every time, y'all. Uh, Zuva, the Hebrew caregiver servant. Yeah, I loved part one. I was so sad to see her go. Ronin, Ronin, Ronin. I'm seeing a lot of Ronins, guys, but I'm not going to call you out on it because same. Eliora, you related to her so well. That's awesome. The themes of adoption. Yeah, we're going to cover that, of course. Sarah Lizzie said, I just love how Connie Lynn Cassette immediately brings us into whatever world she's writing about. She's very good at that. I'm only 120 pages in, but I'm loving Eliora. Oh, I hope we don't give you any spoilers. Brenny and Book said, I love how Connie Lynn wrote from the perspective of an enemy of God and her journey to know God. Yes, that is something. Let me see if I can find my little note that I made. Where is it? Ah, yes, on page 342, if you're getting spoilers, please click away. You can come back when we do the Q&A. Um, but I loved on page 342 when it says, I think it's Ronan that's talking. And he says, as I said on the rooftop that morning, I think your heritage only makes your witness more powerful. And that is, that line just really stuck out to me. Um, oh, earring fell off. Of course it did. Can I get it back on? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, where was I? Yeah, I love that line because it's so true and something that I think is so true in terms of just giving your testimony and sharing, you know, your words and your story. They can be so powerful and everyone has such a unique, interesting story. Um, and you never know that like who is meant to hear your story. And I think that that's one of those things that struck out to me in this book, but also sticks out to me in Christian fiction. There is so much of a variety of different kinds of stories about different perspectives about Christianity, about God. There's like really something out there for everyone. I know that like Brenny, you just read Redeeming Love, but this is like a prime, that's a prime example of like adversary coming to God. And this book was so well done. 
Um, I loved the arc of the, not, I'm gonna have to be careful about saying arc, because a lot of this book revolves around Ark of the Covenant, but the arc of, the character arcs of Eliora and Ronan, and how Eliora is like a blood enemy, if that makes sense, where she's a Philistine, so she's coming to know Christ, like God from the outside perspective, but then you also have Ronan, and Ronan, technically, you know, he's raised in this faith, but he too is a little bit of an outsider and an enemy just because he, he becomes a little bit calloused towards it. So um, really love that. I have to scroll back because y'all are talking too fast. Okay. I did not plan my time well when it came to reading this month. I read this book in December and I was like, this. I normally don't read the BFE books until later in the season just so that I'm more fresh for the actual live. But this quarter, I was like, well, I'm going to try and read it earlier so that I can plan more content and more Instagram posts throughout the quarter. And I'm trying to decide, like, what, what did you, did you guys notice a difference at all? What did you, what did you think? Do you prefer more discussion posts on the Instagram page throughout the quarter or more, like, just, are you, do you concern yourself more with the live, I guess is what I'm asking. Definitely a good reminder that God is for all people. I agree, Sarah. <sighs> Looking at Eliora and Lucio's relationship, I loved the reminder that we cannot be God for those we love. <gasps> yes, you read my mind. That was such an important um, thing, I think, because I think a lot of times, and I think I'm guilty of this too, where it's just like you want to save people. And I think it comes from a, a good place because you want to help people, but you alone are, are not always enough. Most of the time you are not enough. So I loved that as well. There was something specific that I wanted to touch on. Let me see if I can find it. You guys can keep chatting while I struggle. <laughs> Let's see. I did a whole thing where I wrote like an essay in the margins <laughs> so that it would stick out. Now I can't find it. Do, 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 do. <laughs> it's not coming up. There was a specific page that I wanted to talk about. Oh well. Everything is testing me today, you guys. It's fine. It's fine. But essentially, it was the, um, I really liked how whimsical Eliora's gardening was. Yeah, that was a fun one. I haven't seen that, um, this is going to sound so weird, that type in biblical fiction before, I think that we get a lot of, um, you know, like, um, fabric weavers and bread makers and sh like, um, just, there's a lot of stereotypical professions or interests or hobbies in biblical fiction, not to like throw shade anywhere. That's not what I'm trying to do at all. But like, I haven't read a lot of books where the main character is interested in that kind of thing and I, I thought that it was so well described and beautiful and I loved that like her special place was like climbing a tree. Um, I used to be a, a tree climber in my youth. My parents had like a giant tree and I would just go up there all the time and just sit there and like think because um, you know high school can be traumatic. <laughs> The ending was amazing, and I honestly just can't wait to find out what happens to Luke. Yeah, I have a lot of suspicions about what's going to happen, but... <sighs> I'm going to say, the beginning of this book for me, I'm like, I love Connie. I love all of her books, so they're all equal, as you know. The beginning for me felt a little bit... Um, oh, did I just... <gasps> did I just find it? Ha! I found my notes. <laughs> the beginning for me felt uh, a little bit slow, like I had a, a harder time getting into this one. Honestly, though, that just means that I am not over the Cities of Refuge series. I'm, I'm not, I haven't moved on. I might need therapy, but I had a little bit of a hard time. But then once we got to the ending, I was like, I need book two now. I think that's, um, I think, yeah, that's just a testament to Connie's writing style. Like, takes me a minute to get deattached to the characters I grew so fond of, but then give me a second and I will adapt and I will adapt very quickly. <laughs> that scene with Ronan and Eliora when she brought him up to her tree. 
Yes, so many feelings. We had a giant maple and I used to go up there a lot and loved the part in this book. Yeah, there should be a club for tree climbers. Sarah said, anyone catch that counted with the stars reference? Okay, funny story. I like bloody murder screamed when I read that. Scared my husband half to death. Maybe traumatized my dog. But I was like, I was reading. And I had my book. And I was like, no. 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 And then I just like died. Because I was like putting it together. And I was like, and I was like, I'm an audible reader. I don't read like in, I don't react in my head where I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I like, I react audibly. I scream in public. It's highly embarrassing, which is why I don't read in public or outside ever because my neighbors can always hear me. Like, it's not just like, you know, deep breathing, but it's audible, like gasping and screaming and yelling and talking and like book throwing. It's so embarrassing, but I was just like, it can't be, it can't be, and then I kept reading, and it was like, <laughs> I had a lot of, a lot of, a lot of feelings. I'm looking forward to Lucio's story too, and how he saved Shoshana from slavery in Philistia. I can't do names, y'all. I had a roommate in college that was named Shoshana. It's a little bit random, but fun fact of the day. I'm excited for the sequel. Yeah, same. Do we like the covers, how they match up, or they're going to match up, where, like, the landscape will continue? Because I think that's a pretty cool detail. <sighs> well, <clears throat> um, I'm just going to talk about... Yeah. So it was in chapter 12 where I first started underlining about like the adoption themes and all of that. And here's where I wrote my little essay. And um, I was ever grateful to leave Arissa behind in Philistia to be known as Elis Eliora to everyone in the place where she goes. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm giving up on names. But um, Uh, yeah, so, um, just talking for a minute about, like, the adoptive themes in this book, I loved them so much, but I also loved them on an even deeper level, um, where, as Christians, we're, like, adopted by God, right? Like, we, when it talks about how, um, they make, like, a binding covenant with them and accept them into their home and love and family and all of that. That really speaks to me as like how it is when Christians come to know God and accept Christ and all of that. And um, something that really stuck out to me throughout the book and is a major theme is Eliora's um, self-sacrifice almost to a certain extent where she is so willing to just serve constantly and that comes from a place where it seems like she just wants to like earn her place even though they have already given it to her they've already welcomed her and accepted her and they already love her i wish that i could pull up that one quote where it's talking specifically about that if anyone has it feel free to throw it in the chat but Something along the lines of, like, why are you working so hard to earn something that you already have? Their, like, approval and all of that. And to me, that just really spoke to, like, we as Christians are adopted by God. You know, like, we're his children. He's our heavenly father. But how often, this is something that I struggle with. I don't know if you struggle with this, but how often are we ourselves trying to, like, earn our forgiveness or earn our redemption um, or how often do we kind of tend to beat ourselves up over something endlessly and ridicule ourselves and just think like, oh, you know, I've done this horribly bad thing. I can never really be saved kind of thing. That kind of mentality. Or I've done this horribly awful thing. Um, how am I ever going to make up for this? And I think what we can tend to kind of forget sometimes is that Jesus has already paid that sacrifice for us on the cross. His forgiveness is just given to us. It's it's offered to us through the through the resurrection and all of that. And I love that parallel of like 
that just stuck out to me where when when they kind of when he kind of calls Eliora out on it where it's like why are you doing this you already you're already a part of their they love you I was it just really like cut to my core where I was like oh my words this is so like this speaks to my heart of like why am I trying like of course it, you're you need to you know follow God's commandments minister like all of this kind of thing but like why do I try so hard to make up for things? Um, and just all of that. And I really loved that parallel. Um, someone commented, I'm going to scroll back and find it, but I really loved it. The comment that says, I like her comparison to being grafted into the tree with her adoption. Yeah, that was, that was really cool. I didn't even, I don't think that stuck out to me when I was reading, but... Now that I think back, yes. Page 268, Ronan brings up Eliora's service as being a chance to earn her place. Yeah. Brenny said, I loved this quote. How marvelous that two enemy children, wild branches by any measure, could be like, could like my father had said, become one with the sons of Abraham. And journaling artist of light said, when the prophet described Lucio as a branch drifting away, I just right away knew he was going to go away. And I was like, no. Okay, now that I've gotten all of my, like, sentimental out of the way, my sentimentality is gone, can we just talk for a minute about Lucio? Because I was definitely struggling throughout the book of, like, dude, these people want to help you. Uh, which totally fits in with the themes of the book, right? Because you just want to, you just want to save that person and like we can't save them or the audience, the characters can't save him because that's a, between him and God. But like, man, so much of me was just the whole time just wanting to like show him what was up. Like, do you know how lucky you are, kid? Do you know how like these amazing people you have in your life? I get really attached to my fictional characters, honestly. Lucio stressed me out. I just wanted to shake him so hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, my patience was again being tested. It's gonna be a theme of the winter live. Just Jenna's patience is being tested. Mm -mm -mm. But yeah, there's just, there's so much love about this book. He felt like a normal teenage boy that didn't want to help, but he had such a nice life. <laughs> yeah. That's what I love about historical fiction and biblical fiction, specifically biblical fiction because I'm me. But what I love about historical fiction is that it just shows, like, or it can show that humans don't really change. We have the same tendencies yesterday, tomorrow, and today. Um, and I just, I like seeing parallels of real life um, throughout history. There's something about that that speaks to me. When he went back to their terrible cousin, yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> Why don't you understand? I was worried for Lucio when he went back to the never-do-well uncle. It's awful how misunderstandings come from a lack of conversation. I think this is some of, like, one of my biggest pet peeves, not in, like, books, but just in, like, storytelling in general, like, TV shows, movies, when there's just, like, if you just sat down locked yourselves in a room and had a good conversation, all of this pain could be avoided. I don't understand. Hi, Audrey. If you can't tell, I have coffee. Yeah. There was just so many times where I was like, if you only knew, Lucio, if you only knew what, what had happened. Like, it was a whole mood and a half. It was, it was something else. Was there anything else that jumped out to anyone? If he had just hung around for a few more minutes, <laughs> exactly. Yes, we are talking about miscommunications <laughs> and things not being construed right and when characters just don't talk to each other. I loved it in this book, like, because Connie did it, but man. It is just one of those things. I do like reading it sometimes, but it is one of those things that drives me up a wall. It was a cute romance. Yeah, let's talk about the romance. <laughs> I'm tired of being annoyed by Lucio. Let's... Did you guys hear that? Carl, I tell I'm telling you. 
loved their love story. <laughs> I loved um the I I felt like personally there were some parallels in their story in Eliora and Ronan's story too. Oh, what is his name? But this story, his name isn't on the back cover. Why is it here? Piper, it's okay. It's just people. For, like, it's just people. That's Piper. She's mad at me because I gave her a bath today, so she probably won't be joining us for this live. <clears throat> All right. Evan! <laughs> Thank you. His name is Evan. This is what I'm like when I'm reading. I just scream. Emotions erupt and I can't control it. Um, <laughs> I love how Eliora had a crush on him from the very beginning. That is definitely a trope that I love is when there's characters that like each other for a really long time, especially like the childhood sweetheart trope. You may know this. Um... <laughs> Let's see. I apologize if you're wearing headphones. That was probably jarring. Honestly, Eliora never got to tell Lucio how she would have been sold a slave. Yeah, yeah, that, that miscommunication trope. Mm-hmm. I think Ronan could have upped his game in the romance department. I'll accept that opinion for consideration. Uh, <laughs> um... I think that there was a lot where I was like, why are you being so evil? <laughs> but then he, he won my heart. I loved, um, this is a quick side note, going back to that adoption thread we were talking about and how we're always working so hard to like, or we can always work so hard to earn God's forgiveness and Eliora works so hard to earn her place. There was a line towards the end I underlined it, but I didn't put a sticky note by it, and I don't think that I'll be able to find it now in the middle of this live, but how, at, towards the end, um, I think it's from Eliora's POV, but I could be mixing it up, where um, Ronan, like, comes to her after all the drama has gone down, and she realizes, like, he'd asked for my forgiveness and I had yet to give it, or something along those lines, that's, like... Somewhere in the book, a quote in more or less words similar to that exists. Um, but um, I loved how, to a certain extent, like, that kind of brings the whole arc full circle of, um, you know, earning forgiveness and, like, just, again, forgiveness, acceptance, love. So many beautiful things in this book. Is the quote I'm thinking of on page 333? Give me a sec. I'm getting there. I'm close. Is it? I don't know. I have no notes there, but it's somewhere in that range. I know that it's in like that chapter scene, I think. Hey, everyone. Thank you for all the hearts. Samuel made a future for the two of them together. Yeah, I also thought it was so sweet how Eliora reignited his love for music. That was, I liked that a lot too. I could, I could go on and on about that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I just, there was a lot that I, I, it was a, it felt like a bit of a slow burn for in the romance, like in my perspective. Um, but then, like, once we got to that ending point and, like, things started happening, then it was like, yes, bring it. You tried. You did. You tried. I tried. We all tried. It's a lost cause. <laughs> I need to be better about, I think, maybe putting in, like, sticky notes. Because <laughs> I write in the margins of books a lot. It's a horrible habit. Um... But I tend to, like, sometimes if I don't have time to write or I just want to, like, read and keep going and think, like, oh, I'll come back to it later because I know what I'm thinking. I'll just, like, do a quick underline or, like, draw an arrow to something. Um, I just saw an example where I'll, like, put a little exclamation point and then I'll be like, I'll come back to it. 
And I don't. And then I forget why I underlined it. But I need to get better about, I think, doing post-it notes. I think that would help me before the lives to put in little, like, sticky notes. Just so I can be like, hey, these were your main points. Bring it. A classic biblical fiction reaction. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, it's a classic general reaction, at least. I don't know how the rest of y'all feel. <clears throat> we're at halftime here, y'all. It's 6.30. Time flies. It might be the coffee, though. Did you guys have see how far I had to tip the cup back to get the coffee to come out? It's unacceptable. All right. So I think with that being said, let me check the timing and everything on my phone. So I'm actually supposed to go to a little dinner party after this. What time zone are you in? I'm curious. I never know, like, um, the majority of the people who actually come to the lives, uh, where, like, what time zones they're watching them. Because I tried, I used to do these really early in the day my time, but that was inconvenient because, for me, because it would just be, like, in the middle of the day, and then that would be it. And, like, I would, I would not be able to plan anything because I'd be like, I have this weird hour and a half because it takes me a little while to set up in the middle of the day that I can't miss. Yeah, okay. Sorry, it's taking me a while to get my phone where it needs to be. See, Eastern Time, I'm the odd one out. <laughs> Sometimes I truly feel like I'm the only person in the Bookstagram world that's on Pacific Time. I really do. I feel so isolated out here all the time. <laughs> Anyone else? Anybody? <laughs> all right. Well, on that note of crazy time zone discussions, uh, we're let, do you guys want to, I don't know, maybe transition to like talking about the, the spring book pick? I'm not sure if that's something you guys, do you guys even care? Do you want to know what book we're going to be reading in the spring? Just a thought. <laughs> um, reminder for like the schedule and what we're, what we're at right now, what we're up to. Um... We did prayer and scripture reading, and then we did the book discussion, and then after the book discussion kind of wraps up, which I think it's kind of, we can circle back. Um, then we're going to announce the spring book. I think I'm getting some vibes here. Are you all into spring? I'm, I'm getting the sixth sense that this is something that you want. All right. So spring book vote, shall we? So you guys had two options, and reminder that what I try to do is usually towards the end of the quarter, if you want to know how to nominate a book or get a book chosen for like summer, fall, winter, every biblical fiction buffs meeting going forward, what I try to do is towards the end of the quarter, I'll post a post that says, comment your suggestions here, because that is where I go to look, to plan all the vote, right? So that I look through and I look through and if you see comments that you like, you can like them and that will like upvote them or you can comment the same suggestion that someone else has already commented. Just keep, keep commenting on it. Um, and then what I do, I try to do is look for the ones that people have liked a lot or look for the ones that have gotten multiple suggestions, uh, multiple things. And then I pull from those and that's what I um, use for the book vote. So reminder that when summer comes around and y'all want to decide what you want to read for summer, Look out for that post. It usually comes to in the last month of the quarter. So that'll be in May, March, April, May, maybe late April, early May. And that's how we pick our books because I then create a poll. And yeah, we voted for the suggestions last week. Um, so I, I had to vote a little bit earlier, which I don't normally do. Normally, um, what I've done in the past is I've announced the suggestions at the live and then I put the vote up after the live. And that's fun, but sometimes it doesn't always work with um, um, timing because like February is a short month, right? So that if we have the poll open for so long after the live happens, depending on when the live gets scheduled, sometimes we don't know what the book is. 
until we're already started in the next quarter and it's just it gets kind of confusing so I thought I would try something a little bit different have us vote ahead of time and then do like a big book reveal I'm keeping you in suspense on purpose by the way in case you were wondering um I see a lot of people talking about the cold weather y'all I'm in California I don't relate I'm sorry though I know a lot of people are really miserable right now um seen a lot of people getting really creative with ways to survive the long winter it reminds me of Little House on the Prairie <laughs> I've been like thinking about it I'm like mm, it's the long hard winter and so yeah here though we're starting to get some rain in California which never happens which is nice oh you guys are getting sick of me getting sidetracked okay so I'll stop I promise your choices were uh The Stranger by Jennifer Jennings or Jerusalem's Daughter by this author her name's Jenna Van Maurick And I feel like there should be music or something, but I guess I'm just going to slide up my phone. You guys are going to see what the spring 2021 book is, and then we can have an open Q&A and discussion. So without further ado, <laughs> your spring 2021 pick that you guys voted on is Jerusalem's Daughter. I kind of wondered if anyone was going to guess it because I wore green and I wore palm branch earrings specifically for the occasion. But this is your guys' pick. And I'm just so honored. <laughs> um, you guys kind of know that I people had always asked me if I'd ever do my own book for the book club. And I always kind of said, like, I don't know. That would be kind of overwhelming. But if people actually wanted it, then I could learn to be open to that idea put it in god's hands if people want to nominate it they can um and yeah i'm just really excited for all that is to come so i got props for my background <laughs> stick these up here somehow eh. we'll see if that stays i'm kind of having a curse today like i told you so i got props Yay, everyone's happy! Screaming, dancing, Shamira and Asa, here we come! It's a great follow-up for Eliora and Ronan, not gonna lie. <clears throat> okay, but in all fairness, your attire is also just on point for- I mean, true! <laughs> I wear green every single day. <laughs> my closet is like 89% green clothes. It's kind of my favorite color. But- I was trying to, like, match the tone, Audrey. <laughs> um, I knew that was going to happen. My day is cursed. Drink more coffee. If you just joined or joined recently, we just announced the Spring Book Club pick. Spring starts on March and goes through May here at BFB. <clears throat> So, the book comes out on March 16th, which is when you guys can buy it. Um, so, I know that that's going to be like a little bit of a waiting period, but I do have giveaways planned. So, stay tuned for that. <laughs> Sarah said, who is one of my lovely beta readers, I'm so interested in seeing the changes from beta reading to the officially published version. There have been a lot. <laughs> there have been a lot of minor changes. Some bigger changes, but the bigger changes are all good. Your beautiful post made me fall in love with dark olive green and now it's also my favorite color. That's it. I'm quitting the internet. My life goal has been achieved. I've converted someone to green. It'll be available on Amazon on March 16th. I don't have a lot of information it's a very overwhelming process to publish a book, just FYI, and I get messages daily, and I'm, like, trying to answer everyone and, you know, let people know what's going on, but sometimes I can't always answer everyone just because I'm busy actually trying to get it published. Um, but I should have updates within the next week or week and a half, like, major updates, so... How cool to get to do a book club discussion with the author herself. Yeah, if any authors are out there watching by chance, um, you are always welcome to contact me if I'm reading your book for BFB. Um, 
I think sometimes we get authors in the chat, which is fun. Um, Misu Andrews hung out in the chat, I think, a little bit when we read The Pharaoh's Daughter in the fall, which was really awesome. When we read A Light on the Hill, which was our first book club pick, Connie Lincasette was absolutely amazing and sent us some lovely swag that we did giveaways with. So authors are always welcome. But yeah, I'm excited just because <laughs> it's my book. <laughs> um, I love reading books set during Jesus' time, so I'm just a tad excited. Yeah, same. Um, if you guys want some recommendations... I would highly recommend, let's see, where are my current faves? I just read a lot of books. If you guys want recommendations for some Jesus-centric, these are getting in my way, I'm sorry, books. Ones that I would highly recommend are Ben-Hur and Risen and, oops, grabbed the wrong one. We'll get there in the end. The Thief and Land of Silence. I've been on like a binge reading, rereading phase. All of these are amazing, especially this one. So yeah, this is a really great, I love the novelization of this more than the movie. <sighs> Need I say more? It's a big book though, and it's like old, so it's older style of writing, but highly worth it for literature nerds out there. If you like this book, I think you'll like Jerusalem's Daughter. And if you like Jerusalem's Daughter, I'm pretty sure that you'll love this book. And then this one, need I say more? I talk about this one in like literally every YouTube video I ever do. It's becoming a problem. Land of Silence by Tessa Afshar is incredible. I agree, if you guys like books with lots of plot twists and just deep, intricate things being woven in and out, Cannot recommend that book enough. It is by far my favorite Tessa Afshar book. Absolutely amazing. I love Ben-Hur, same. I love Ben-Hur so much. It was, it's, um, it was a driving influence on my own work. So I'm guessing there'll be a live Q&A on the book club meeting indeed. Jerusalem Road Series by Angela Hunt. Is that one? I'm tearing up my shelves for you. I hope you're happy. That's this one, right? These came out while I was working on my capstone, I think, and doing my prerequisites for my capstone courses in college. So didn't get around to reading these, but they are up next on my TBR. I have quite a few books that I've been like saving for after college. And now it's like, oh, I'm saving that for after I publish my book. We'll get there. Ha 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 ha, driving influence. Yes, Audrey, no need to throw shade. That's my job. Land of Silence was my first biblical fiction book and I loved it. I even made a book project on it in ninth grade. Oh, that's so fun. Those are also in your TBR. Um, good, they should be. <laughs> I, um, I would not leave you alone if they weren't. Are they really good? Good, because I love the cover for the, I mean, given what you know about me, is that any surprise? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and this one too is just so stunning and striking. <clears throat> Jerusalem's Daughter will be my first BF New Testament book. Ooh. Um, I hope it blesses you. It wasn't shade, it was recognition of a fantastic pun. Okay, Audrey, well. Fine. <laughs> I read them both in about two days. Oh my word. See, now I know that I just have, I've just been out of it. It's horrible, honestly. It's so bad. There's so many released books that came out while I was in the thick of it in college that I'm just like, I have to go back and catch up now or else I'm, I'm, it's gonna be sad. So yeah, earring popped out again. It is what it is. Q&A time. Uh, we have about 15 minutes left in our live, which means it's pretty much just open discussion. You guys can comment whatever you want. Um, I can stab myself in the ear. Ask me any questions. You can ask me questions about life. You can ask me questions about the book club. You can ask me questions about my book and I will do my best to answer them, but I can't make any promises. 
<laughs> I would try to get Piper to come over here because she always comes and sits with me, but she's, again, still very mad at me. Um, it's her fault. She, I was in the kitchen cooking and she knocked a bowl of melted butter off the counter and then drenched herself in melted butter. So I had to bathe her. It wasn't my problem. You did this to yourself. To half shower, also has a book coming out. Yeah, Jewel of the Nile. <clears throat> um, I can't wait for that one, honestly. And then I heard that she's going to be going back to Old Testament fiction after that, which is really exciting. <clears throat> what biblical fiction book was the last one you read and loved? I'm pretty sure that it was The Thief <laughs> by Stephanie Lanson. <laughs> Really amazing book. This book, there was just a lot of action and adventure, in my opinion, in this book. And it was really well-paced. And there were definitely some ties to things that happened in scripture that I wasn't at all expecting. So, that's that's really exciting. I'm super excited, super excited for Tessa Afshar to go back to the Old Testament. Same! I think um, I loved her New Testament books, but I... I think that, like, in terms of, like, my top Tess Afshar books, it's definitely, like, Pearl in the Sand, Land of Silence, and In the Field of Grace, and two out of the three of those are Old Testament sets, so I'm excited to see where we're going. Um, I am trying to read more edifying books, and sometimes I struggle with biblical fiction. I really liked to dwell among readers. Yeah, that's exactly what motivated me to start reading more Christian fiction when I was 16, 17. Um, I was just going through a really dark time. My grandma had passed away. And I was not in a good place mentally. And I was always a big reader, but, like, we're talking, like, Hunger Games kind of reader. Like, YA reader. Which is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, I feel like that gets misconstrued a lot when I or people say that. But I was a huge reader in the YA genre, the mainstream genre. And it was just, like... It wasn't feeding me at that time, and I got to a point where I realized, like, this fiction is not helping me at all in any way, and if anything, it was just, the only thing it was helping me to do was just stay in a really bad mindset after my grandma passed away, because I was really close to her. Um, the first dedication in my book is to her, um, and I just decided, I found The Pharaoh's Daughter by Misu Andrews, fell in love, and then decided I'm going to try reading only Christian biblical fiction for a month, and then... That turned in, that was really good, and I was like, I'm going to try only reading this for three months, and that turned out really good, and then I was like, what if I only read Christian fiction for a year? And then I just kind of forgot and never really stopped, and now I read a lot of whatever I want to, but the majority of my reading, obviously, you guys can see behind me, is biblical fiction. There's just something about it that uh, really helps me in my spiritual walk, and I think that's what's important, right, is that we all just need to... Find what helps us. To dwell among cedars tackled a unique Bible story passage that I passed over when reading. There's a lot of good books that do exactly that, where things that seem like they're just like little details in the Bible that you don't really think about end up turning into whole stories, and you wonder like, what? <laughs> Who were these people? How did I never notice this before? Um, yeah, there's, that's... I loved To Dwell Among Cedars, and I'm excited to see the second one, because um, I think it'll be really nice, and I'm excited to see how it ends, and now I can talk about this passage in scripture and feel, like, in the know about it in ways that I never felt before. There's something special about biblical fiction, it just makes you feel so happy. Yep, indeed. Indeed. <clears throat> After the book we read last time, I read the rest of the series by Lynn Austin. Book three on this foundation was so, so, so good. Indeed, I agree. After last season's read, Lynn Austin is becoming a fave. Her books are so, so good. Uh, the Restoration Chronicles is like one of my favorite biblical fiction series of all time. And after that, I would definitely say that I really loved, it's, yep, right here. Where We Belong by Lynn Austin, which is set in, like, the 1800s, but it's, like, about these two women that travel the Holy Land and, like, that area, which I thought was really interesting because it's not biblical fiction, but it's historical fiction and women are, like, traveling to biblical places in, like, an archaeological kind of way. This book speaks to me. 
And I just love the travel. And also, can I just say the cover with the pyramids and the camels in the back? It's just, what a mood. What a beautiful, glorious mood. Any hints you can give us about what other things we can expect leading up to the release of Jerusalem's Daughter? Lots of giveaways. <laughs> There's going to be lots of giveaways. I have two YouTube videos coming out. Um, I can t give you like a little preview of what some of the next few videos will be on my YouTube channel, which is just Jenna Van Maurick on YouTube if you are interested. Ba -ba -da. Um, this week, this coming week is exciting because we have a fun video, more like today's where it was like the cosplay, it was super lighthearted. And then uh, there's going to be a video coming out called the Jerusalem's Daughter Book Tag. Um, which is just a series of questions. I answer them. I tag some people to answer them. And yeah, you guys can do the tag wherever you want on Instagram, your blogs, YouTube, although I don't know a lot of YouTubers. Um, and that's exciting. So I'm excited for that one to come out. And then I'm actually going to be having some guests on my channel. Uh, I actually met Shamira and Asa. And they're actually going to be on the channel. They're taking over my channel for like a week. Um, they do some Q&As. Uh, Shamira and Asa do the boyfriend tag on YouTube, if you've ever heard of that one. Uh, Shamira and Asa do the autocomplete interview, which is really exciting. And yeah, that's something fun. So look out for that. It was really hard getting them here because, you know, time travel, international, it's kind of a big deal, but made it work. I really enjoyed your Casa video. Thank you. Love where we belong reminds me of my sister and I. Yeah, it reminds me of my cousin and me. <laughs> Have you read any other Christian fiction book or different genres in Christian fiction or historical fiction? Um, yes. I read a lot of biblical fiction. It's what's behind me. But I also have two floor-to-ceiling shelves on the other side with historical and contemporary, although contemporary is my smallest shelf. Um, and then I have over here my classics, um, my favorites from college, and then my favorites from my childhood and youth. Do, 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 do. I'm going to be so broke after the stream. That is always my goal. I just want to say how grateful I am for you creating a way for biblical fiction readers to connect online. One day I was just looking at YouTube videos that I recommended BF Reads and I found your YouTube videos. That is so awesome. Thank you for making this great online community. Thank you for being a part of the community. The community wouldn't be anything without me so, or without you. Look, that was, that was really um, embarrassing. The community wouldn't be anything without you. You guys make the community. I'm just me the lone Pacific Standard Time bookstagrammer. Um, you guys are what make it fun, because otherwise it would just be me talking to myself. Thank you for me. Um, I already read that one. Do you have a critique partner or just beta readers, and how has your experience with them been? That's a whole video in and of itself. That's a whole different live. Um, I do have people. I have what I call, like, alpha readers, which is really people who are really close to me that I send my work to as I write it. Um, so, like, the second that I finish writing it, I email a scene or words or whatever, a paragraph, whatever gets written, I email it, like, the second that I finish it to uh, a couple different people, um, which are really close family, and then I have Audrey Bodine. <laughs> um, I would consider you a critique partner, Audrey. I don't know if you feel the same if you're here um and Audrey is a huge encourager and just really great um and I had an editor um my editor is also really great and my betas so <clears throat> yeah my betas was an interesting experience I learned a lot about how to um work with beta readers and also how not to work with beta readers and I want to be very careful in how I phrase that because that wasn't like anything directly against any of my betas um betas all did their jobs exactly like that's fine but I think I learned a lot about how I would um communicate with betas in the future just trial and error which is everything in life is like that there's nothing wrong with that um and then after my betas I did a bunch of rounds of edits after my betas, and then I got my editor, and every time my editor would come back with a suggestion, um, which an editor's job, right, is to give you, like, every possible suggestion for how something could be better, 
um, and then leave it up to you as the author to decide, at least in self-publishing. Traditional publishing, maybe the publisher and the editor have a little more say. Not really sure. But in self-publishing, the editor gives me, like, every possible thing that could go wrong. And they're like, here's everything. You're the author. You decide what to do with it. So that was really hard, but I learned so much. And the editor took my book and helped me find my voice. Um, I feel like it was like carving something from clay and my style was there and we just like made it shine and it was such a good experience. But every time, every time that there was a suggestion, I would definitely like text Audrey, text my alpha readers and close family friends and just be like, my editor suggested this. <laughs> what do we think? I need to talk about this with someone. Audrey, you're a great sounding board. Um, it's really helpful to have people who are close to the story who can help you to make decisions. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> I see you have the Noah Trilogy series. Have you read it yet? Uh, this one? No. <laughs> I got this at Baker Bookhouse when I was there last summer. And it's one of those ones. It's on my TBR. Like, a lot of books. <laughs> it's horrible. Don't ask me about what's on my shelves. It's just an embarrassment. But yeah. Uh, do you guys want to see the inside of the book? <laughs> of course you do. I remember your haul. Yeah, that was fun. I liked filming a haul. I don't typically film hauls just because I don't typically have money to buy books. But that was a, a, one of the special occasions. I just want to say, this is a proof copy, but I'm in love with the chapter headers. And let's see if I can find one that won't reveal everything. No spoilers, y'all. The scene dividers, palm branches. I'm so excited. I was supposed to be getting like my final proofs today. The mail. The Lord has been testing me. <laughs> it's so hard fixing writing styles. I read too many Lucy Maud Montgomery books growing up and now I read extremely long and detailed sentences. <laughs> yeah, funny story. My editor um, was like, are you British? And I was like, no, why? And she was like, you write British and you use British like spelling and your like grammar is British. And I was like, is it? I, I yeah. And uh, it's, I blame it on British, like British writing courses, British lit courses and watching too much British TV. Uh, but totally get that. And I still have to watch out for it now that I know it's a problem. I love your shelves. They're more organized than mine and they're more, they're colorized. Yeah, these are actually Ikea Billy bookshelves, but I got some paneling and I um, did the paneling instead of just, instead of just having white shelves, I got paneling for them. So that's fun. I just want to talk about this book, but I guess I'm just gonna have to wait until your next live. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Spoilers. I got my review copy and I cannot wait to start it very soon. That makes me equal parts happy and nervous. <sighs> Does anyone know if Instagram like cuts you off at an hour still? Because if it does, it's going to cut me off soon. But last time it didn't cut me off and that was strange. It makes me so nervous thinking about my book being like out in the world and available, but also it makes me so excited because this is what I've been working for for four, three, four years now. Coming close on, you know, four or at least three and a half in terms of like when I started seriously. No, four years of wanting to be an author, only three years ish of actually working actively on this book, but. Yeah, I've done 22 drafts of this. <laughs> I'm very attached, very close to these characters. I cannot wait for you to read it. For like size comparison, 
this is this is my book this is to dwell among cedars we're like quite similar in case you were wondering you put so much of your heart into it and I'm so excited to read it I just hope that um the people that God wants to hear this story hear it you know um that's all I really want is just you know even if one person needs just wants to read it um I just want that one person to get it you know Jenna I'm in chapter six and I'm obsessed with your book you're gonna make me cry on Instagram live how many pages bum bum ba -da. 338 pages of book I think it's closer to 350 when you add in the back front and back matter but that just means like the title page and the copyright dedication note to the reader I should probably be showing you this note to the reader I have a glossary in here for like the um, foreign words there's a family tree um, which I'm really proud of because that you know took me hours to figure out how to make then the book starts and then in the back I have don't want to show you the epilogue because that would give you a spoiler um, author's note which that's uh, a lot um, but that's it's not a lot a lot but that's um, just like my research behind the scenes what choices I made, um, what tools I used, and that kind of thing. There's acknowledgments, and then something that I really love that this book includes, a lot of biblical fiction has this, a lot of Christian fiction, is discussion questions. And um, I really, really love these discussion questions, obviously. And yeah. And then there's me. <laughs> Nicole, if you missed it, my book is chosen. <laughs> This is the BFB book. All right. The family tree is so cool. Thank you. I really, I'm excited to update it with books going forward and how things change. Uh, Brenny said, when are we getting a sequel? I want to prepare emotionally when the ending comes. I am writing the sequel now. It is proving to be a challenge. Um, dare I say it, the Lord is testing me. Um, but yeah, I will probably talk, start talking about the sequel more after the book comes out and I can't wait to share with you all that. Uh, the cover for the sequel is designed. So even if I'm not done with my part yet, that's done. The good news is, is that like this book will wrap up pretty well, uh, on its own, I think. Um, so you'll have a bit of closure, but then there's a few loose ends, so, yeah. <laughs> um, the sequel will follow a certain side character, so. Do with that information what you will. <laughs> um, I'm not known for my patience, but alas, I shall try. I mean, same. I am really impatiently wanting to just write the book, you know? And every time I think, oh, this is it, I can start writing, something happens, and I'm like, oh, this week I have to format the paperback, this week I have to do my final proof, this week I have to do my ebook, which is really funny, because, like, in between college and, like, when I started really cracking down on this book, I had, like, a brief period of time where I was like, yes, I'm writing so much, and then, um, this book. And I just have learned that I can't work on multiple books at the same time because I will get confused. And, ooh, ooh I almost spoiled something there. But uh, the, the characters um, in this book and the main character of the sequel are two very different personalities. And I've noticed that when I try to write that book while I'm working still on this one, or like where I'm heavily focused on Jerusalem's Daughter, um, Everyone starts talking like Shamira, and that's just, that just cannot be, so. <laughs> when do you plan to publish a sequel? Well, that depends on uh, when, hopefully soon, though, when I write it. But, um, yeah, I do have um, some flexible deadlines as of right now that I can't really talk about, just for logistical reasons. Um, but, yeah, I have some flexible deadlines with that 
some things with my editor that I want to make as goals. So the best thing to do, I always say this in every single live, but the best thing to do if you want the sequel is to just pray for me. <laughs> uh, the best thing that anyone can do is pray for me, pray for this book, pray for Jerusalem's daughter, pray for my sanity, you know, just... I am always willing to accept more prayers. Um, and that's ultimately what makes the the work, the, the that's ultimately what makes life happen, you know, it's just prayers. <sighs> when I saw the email for me to review your book, I screamed because I was so happy and excited. Do you feel like your second book will go smoother because of what you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I already, I just, everything that comes out, I'm like, ah, oh, yes, this is flowing so nice. There's, you know, hiccups here and there, of course, but I definitely feel like I just learned so much from my editor just regarding my writing style. And what I loved about my editor is that my editor didn't try to change my writing style and be like, oh, you shouldn't use this perspective or you shouldn't use this POV or you shouldn't use this. Um, my editor was like, okay, I can see what you're trying to do here let's let's polish it and let's like hone it out you know and I just loved that so much and I really felt like I needed that um and I just like I learned so much about how to keep my voice and my style of writing but uh do it well if that makes sense so yeah in God's timing amen to that my parents have a clock in their house and it's a little clock and it says like in God's timing on the bottom and um, that clock is always wrong. <laughs> it has never run correctly. Um, so that's that. But yeah, we always joke that like, oh, well, that's God's timing, you know, like, maybe that's what time it is in heaven, <laughs> different time zone, or maybe that's just a sign. Um, it's, it's actually kind of funny. Because like, you think about it, and you're like, in God's timing, but it's the time the clock is always wrong. So Maybe. Does that mean that our timing is always wrong? Who knows? All right, y'all. Well, we've gone over time. Um, if you have any last minute questions, burning things you want to say, anything else before I shut down, because uh, I am late to my dinner party. <laughs> um, God's timing is different than ours. Exactly. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, I love that clock because it's such a good reminder of that. But yeah, any last minute things, comments, questions, regrets, pop those in the comments. I need to microwave my coffee because it's um, hot and cold, sadly. I love this discussion. Thank you for making it amazing. Yeah, it was really fun. Normally I try to do more like games and stuff, but again, like I said, because I'm planning a physical giveaway, like a bigger physical Jerusalem's Daughter giveaway. I can say that now because the book is revealed. Um, I decided not to do any digital giveaways just so I could focus all my energy on making the big giveaways happen. Thank you guys for coming. Uh, I always feel so awkward when everyone's thanking me because again, you guys make biblical fiction buffs. It wouldn't be biblical fiction buffs without the buffs, and you are the buffs. Um, thank you guys so much, and thank you for picking Jerusalem's daughter. I'm not gonna get emotional. Um, I have lasagna to go eat, so thank you guys so much. Uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of your night. For all of you guys where it was really late, I'm so sorry. It seems like wherever, whenever I do these, it's always too late or too early for someone somewhere. But I hope it was okay. Uh, let me know if you would prefer a different time, maybe. Uh, comment that anywhere on BFB. I'll see it or DM me. Um, whatever you wish. Thank you guys so much for watching, being here, chatting. It was a great one. I really liked this one a lot. This one was, uh, felt really good. I liked the discussions that we had, so that was a huge blessing. Thank you guys for coming, and I will see you guys soon.